here we are on day 14 of the 21 days of storytelling. And in 21 more days, Thanksgiving will be here. Crazy to think that it's already November. But the great news about it being November is that several slots for personalized writing workshops have opened up. I'm now accepting applications for three more authors in training who are ages 8 to 18. So if you want to be thankful for having a writing mentor who customizes writing workshops to your strengths, head on over to authordkdrake.com backslash writing workshops to apply for one of those three spots. Applications will close when this storytelling blitz ends on November 10th, so apply today. You may even earn yourself the scholarship that will allow you to take the workshops with me for free. All right, on to today's story snippet, Chapter 10 of The Dragon Collector. Here, you'll discover a new breed of animal that I had fun making up, a bounderoo. I needed an animal that could get my guys back to North Xandador quickly and efficiently, but I wanted a non-flying animal to make the travel more challenging. I thus started with the image of a kangaroo, made it taller and wider, gave the animal red fur and long rabbit ears. I also gave them some interesting characteristics that I found entertaining. Hope you will as well. Let's get to it! Welcome to a special storytelling edition of Published Before College, the podcast with short and snazzy shows that teach creative kids how to think like an author, build confidence in their creative writing skills, and take ownership of the publishing process. I'm your host, DK Drake, author of the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga. During these 21 days of storytelling, I'll be reading you snippets of The Dragon Collector, book one of the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga, and sharing behind-the-scenes Sinsider secrets along the way. In The Dragon Collector, 15-year-old Javen believes he is simply an ordinary orphan abandoned by his mother at birth until he is whisked away to another dimension and his destiny as the chosen one from the Collector bloodline is revealed. Armed only with an ancient weapon, a trio of old advisors, and his determination to win, Javen is soon caught up in a dangerous battle for the throne. Now his choices could save, or destroy, the people and dragons of Xandador, including the mother he just met. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. You are now entering the land of Xandador. Chapter 11. Bargaining for Boundaroos For a good nine miles, Javen didn't have to worry about where to walk. He just had to endure the burden of the bags of seeds. That burden seemed to multiply by a factor of ten once they entered the swamp. Huge, distorted trees with draping branches blocked most of the rays from the late afternoon sun as they walked through sticky red mud along the edge of moss-covered water. Stalks of bamboo forced them to zig and zag in and out of the water. Unsettling creatures he couldn't see slithered through the water, cackled from the land, and taunted from the trees. It was an altogether creepy experience, and Javen wanted out. I think that man back at the shop wanted us dead. Nobody lives in this place. Someone who wants to avoid the Dark King does. We haven't gone far enough in yet. I have. I'm turning around. Javen spun around but forgot to watch his step. Instead of landing on solid but sticky ground, his right foot sunk into a puddle of tan sand. He lost his balance and fell forward, dropping the two bags of seeds. The earth instantly swallowed the bags whole. Had Ravier not snatched Javen's shirt, it would have swallowed him as well. I told you to follow my footsteps exactly, Ravier said, jerking Javen back onto the solid ground. Now we've lost our bargaining chips. Disobey me again and I'll purposely find a patch of sand to throw you in. Javen swallowed and nodded. It took several minutes of trailing Ravier step for step for his heart to finally slow back down to its normal rate. This was his second brush with death in one day on the heel of two attacks from his family the day before. He hoped a devastating strike three wasn't around the corner. Reaching a long, wobbly wooden bridge lifted Javen's spirits. A man-made structure meant a man had to be around here somewhere. 
The bridge led them to a circular clearing with one large square log building bordered by five smaller huts, all of which rested on stilts and were interconnected with a net walkway. Squeaks and squawks and chirps and a symphony of general animal chatter emanated from the large building. But no people were anywhere to be seen. What is this place? Javen asked. Not sure, Ravier said. Whatever happens, do not let anyone see your green eye. He drew his sword and inched forward. You won't be needing that. A gruff man appeared in the doorway of the nearest hut holding a bow and arrow. The bow was loaded. The arrow was aimed at Ravier. Javen was somewhat relieved that the weapon wasn't pointed at him. We're not here to cause trouble, Ravier said. Then turn around and be on your way. We don't tolerate visitors. Seven more gruff-looking men dressed in swamp camouflage armed with bows and arrows appeared at ground level, surrounding Javen and Ravier. Javen held his breath and bit his lip. Was this the inevitable strike three? Marty sent us, Ravier said. Told us to ask for Reese. Said he could help us acquire some transportation. A tiny man pushed past the warrior in the hut doorway. I'm Reese. The three-foot-tall man looked terribly out of place. He was clean-shaven with short, dark hair and wore white slacks with a purple silk shirt. He signaled for his men to put their weapons down. They obeyed. If Marty sent you, that makes us friends. Put your sword away and come up to the animal house. Reese waddled across the net walkway while Javen and Ravier climbed the ladder, hanging down from the porch of the big building. They walked inside to find a warehouse filled with rows of cages. All sorts of animals from chickens to foxes to birds and snakes occupied the cages. And those were the animals Javen recognized. Many of the creatures, with their prickly hair or furless bodies or abundance of legs, Javen had never seen before. Those were the ones who captivated him. What's with all the animals? Javen asked, spellbound by the new species he was discovering. He wanted to be able to check them out with both eyes, but was careful to keep his right eye closed and covered with his hand. It's one of the many services I provide for my friends, Reese said. If you need dinner or a pet or a ride without first getting the king's permission, I'm your man. The king doesn't take kindly to those who operate outside of the system, though, so I have to be careful whom I help. We're not part of the king's puppets either, Ravier said. We could use some reliable octis to get back home. Octis? The man chuckled. I don't operate that far out of the system. I do have some phenomenal rickers that can get you from point A to point B in the blink of an eye. They can't hop over the river. We need to fly. Heading into North Xandador? That does make a difference. Reese tapped his fingers across his shin. Like I said, I don't have any octis, but I do have two boundaroos that will get you home just as fast. I wasn't planning on selling them, though. Smooth, Javen thought. This guy would make a good used car salesman. What's your price? Ravier asked. Ten triangle scales. Reese paused. Each. For boundaroos? <sighs> Ravier whistled. Ten for both is way too much. You don't seem to be in much of a position to bargain. That's where you're wrong, Ravier said, putting his hand on Reese's shoulder. You look like a man who appreciates the finer things in life. What if I told you I had a device you could wear on your wrist that tells you exactly what time of day it is at any moment of the day? Javen cocked his head at Ravier's description of a watch, especially since Ravier wasn't wearing a watch of his own. Reese's eyes widened. I'd say you could have as many boundaries as you want. Good, Ravier said. Javen, give him your time device. Excuse me? I'm not giving up my watch. I earned this two years ago for helping a guy tame his wild horse. It's engraved in everything. You call it a watch? Reese seized Javen's left wrist and inspected the gold watch. Fascinating. I'll take it. Give it to him, Ravier ordered. Fine, 
Javen glared at Ravier with his one open eye as he unclasped the band and handed the prized watch to a giddy Reese. The Boundaroos are in the back right corner, Reese said, strapping the watch on his wrist and dismissing his guests. Javen hated the idea of leaving his watch with the midget in exchange for some weird-named creature. That watch belonged on his wrist, not the animal salesman's. Only he didn't have a chance to protest. Ravier grabbed his arm and dragged him to the back of the building. At least he no longer had to worry about hiding his eye. The cages and animals got bigger and bigger the farther back they walked. By the time they made it to the back right corner, the animals were as tall or taller than them. I hate boundaroos, Ravier said, stopping in front of two red-furred creatures, jumping and spinning and turning and twisting in their cages while hooting and snorting at the top of their lungs. They're wild, stupid, irritating, loud, and obnoxious, not to mention uncomfortable to ride. But they are fast and can swim. You sure we can ride these things? They look a little out of control. I told you they're wild. They're easy to control, though, once you grab a hold of their ears. And how are you supposed to do that? The animals were so busy spinning that Javen couldn't even tell where their ears were. Watch. Ravier clanged both cages and let out a shrieking whistle. The animals stopped, stood on their hind legs, and stared at Ravier. Their eyes were level with Ravier, and they looked like giant Tasmanian devils with long ears of a rabbit and the pouch and tail of a kangaroo. Ravier opened the door of the first cage, grabbed the tip of the animal's ear, and let it out to Javen. Hold this. Javen took charge of the furry ear, while Ravier extracted the other from its cage in the same way. What now? Javen asked. Keep hold of her ears and step inside her pouch. Huh? They were going to ride under the animal? That didn't seem like a good plan. Just do what I do. Ravier positioned himself under his boundaroo's head and snagged the other ear so that he was holding one ear in each hand beside his face. Then he stepped inside the pouch, which covered him almost to his waist. Use the ears like reins to tell the boundaroo where you want to go. Okay? Javen mimicked Ravier. He stood under his boundaroo, clutched the other ear, and stepped inside the gooey pouch. He cringed as slobber dripped on his face. Ugh. Brace yourself, Ravier said. It's going to be a long ride home. Ravier tugged his boundaroo's ears forward. The animal charged down the aisle, through the front door, and leapt off the porch. Javen closed his eyes and mumbled, I do not want to do this, I do not want to do this, I do not want to do this. He inched his right eye open, held his breath, and jerked his hands forward. The boundaroo screeched, spun in a circle, and bounded down the aisle after Ravier. Without pausing, the animal sailed off the porch, spinning and slobbering and jostling Javen around the whole way down. They landed with a thump, found the waiting Ravier, and bounded through the darkening swamp at a pace that would make a galloping storm look like he was standing still. If you enjoyed today's storytelling episode, but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to authordkdrake.com backslash insiders. There you can secure your free digital copy of The Dragon Collector as part of the DK Drake Starter Library. But The Dragon Collector will only be included in the Starter Library through the end of these 21 days, so be sure to become an insider by November 10th to get your free copy. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight.